Hey, marketing today has gotten harder. There's so many new platforms. How do you reach the right audience? Fortunately, there's a simple way. LinkedIn can help you speak with the right professionals at the right time. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Stephen M.R. Covey. He is a New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The Speed of Trust, The One Thing That Changes Everything. In fact, he dropped by when that book launched. He is also currently the global practice leader of the Global Speed of Trust Practice, which was an organization formed uh, by the merger of Covey Link with Franklin Covey. So, Stephen, welcome back. Hey, John, it's great to be back on your show. So we're going to talk about a book that's trending all of a sudden um, that is catching a wave called The uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So um, if, if my listeners t- didn't uh, catch the sarcasm and facetiousness of my voice, um, it, it it is an amazing book that written by your father, Dr. Stephen Covey, that I, I suspect there are very few people who have not at least heard of it, but certainly many, many, many tens of thousands, millions uh, who have actually read the book. And, and uh, it is quoted often by people and has for, for years. Uh, you're coming up on the 30th anniversary edition. And so I, I, I guess, um, I guess the the first question I'd love you to address is, you know, what has made this uh, book? Obviously, books come out and they're good and people love them. What's made this so timely? Yeah. I or timeless. I'm sorry. Timeless is timeless. what I meant to ask. Yeah. I, it, but, <laughs> yeah. I, I think why The Seven Habits has such has had such staying power and has been timeless is, is because it's based upon foundational principles that apply anywhere and everywhere and anytime and every time. And, you know, principles of, of uh, proactivity and integrity and fairness and mutual benefit and the like. And even, my, even the examples and the illustrations my father used were kind of generic ones versus, you know, very just specific ones about a different company or leader at a different time. They were broader ones. And so um, it, 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 it lends itself well to, different times, today's times, our world today, we, we kind of say, we don't mean to overstate this, but it's rather than being old, we think seven habits is classic. It's classic. And so it, it has staying power because it's based upon principles that apply everywhere. It's, and and I think that's probably the number one reason why it's been so useful. And also those principles are so practical for every person. So it's not just kind of something for a business or an organization, or a marketplace. No, it's seven habits of highly effective people. So it's each of us starting with ourselves, and you know, and and building that sense of clarity for ourselves, as well as then how we work with others. So that's probably some reasons why it's so relevant. So where were you in your uh, life journey when this book was written? When it first came out thirty years ago, where where were you? Well, you know what? It's an interesting question, John. I had just joined with my father. I'd just gotten out of uh, business school, got my MBA. Um, I'd worked for a few years. I'd been in real estate development, short stint in investment banking. And I joined back up with my father because I knew the book was about to come out. I joined about six months before it was launched. And it was launched in 1989. And I knew, though, that that um, this was going to take off because I'd seen my father do it for 10 years, you know, work on this and present it. People just didn't know about it yet in the masses. And I knew that when this book 
was launched to people that people would resonate with it because I'd seen it over a 10 year period. And so I joined the company. And so I, I, I was fortunately part of uh, the, the team that helped uh, take this to the leaders and to clients all over the world. And that was very exciting. So, so you, you know, you grew up in it up with the 10 years prior to the book coming out. I mean, you were, you know, you were at a stage in your life where you were paying attention to what was maybe going on with, with your father's work. Who, who, who were his inspirations? I mean, who were his mentors? You know, where did, where do you, where do you feel like his ideas kind of crystallized? He had many and he, and he references some of these in the book or in other writings. He always gave credit to people. My father, by the way, always saw himself as a great synthesizer organizer of ideas. And so he wouldn't claim that these are my ideas. He'd say, no, these are universal ideas, universal principles. I'm just trying to make, organize them, frame them, make them accessible to people. But I'll give you some examples. Um, he loved uh, Dr. Victor Frankel. Oh, right, right. He actually had built a relationship with, with uh, Dr. Frankel, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. He was the Austrian psychiatrist who was uh, in, a, in a, a death camp in Nazi Germany during the, that time. And, and um, he ended up, uh, you know, having these huge breakthroughs of how to view the world in that experience. And he wrote it in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, you know, and, and, and uh, he was a huge kind of uh, a mentor and, and uh, influencer on my father. Um, uh, many, many others in the field of interpersonal communication, Carl Rogers, who that's where my father learned the, the real power in habit five, which is seek first to understand, then to be understood. And Carl Rogers was a real, you know, pioneer in this field of how empathy is so powerful for people and what it does to them. And and there were many, many others who influenced his thinking. And and uh, again, my to my father, he never claimed credit for the seven habits, the, the principles themselves. He always instead would say, my role has been to organize these and sequence these and make them accessible to people. Yeah. But yeah. many, many well, people that influence yeah, him. Yeah. And then I, th- I think there are many people that have been able to bring ideas together in a package that actually made them more uh, accessible or useful uh, to the masses. And I think that's that's the secret probably of why that book took off and why it's uh, it, it's longevity. So let's talk about in the 30-year edition. Uh, yes, Don? yes. John, could I, could I just yeah, add of course. that here's an interesting metaphor on this very point. Um, Jim Collins, the author who wrote Good to Great, you know, a great business leader, a leadership thinker, he wrote a foreword for the seven habits that we've been publishing for the last 10 years as part of the book. And in the foreword, he said this, he said, um, what, uh, what the user interface was to the computer you know, getting a browser that could be used to the internet where it became accessible because the internet had been around since the late 1960s, but it was only accessible to some scientists at high levels. But then when a browser user interface was created, it made it more accessible. He said, that's what seven habits has done for kind of human, human effectiveness. These principles have been out there a long time, but what Stephen Covey did with the seven habits was made them accessible, like a browser, like a user interface that suddenly took what was out there and just made it more tangible and actionable. Yeah, great metaphor. So obviously your work is uh, not just selling books, but but actually uh, all of the stuff that Franklin Covey and, and uh, uh, Covey Link have done with you know, the planners and with the training and the teaching and, and all of that. Um, 
you've surely gained some insights from you know the the interaction and engagement with people using this. What are some of the things that have been uh, some of the most substantial learnings over the last couple of decades? Well, a couple of things. First, just again, how universal it is because we're teaching seven habits in 150 countries around the world and supplying to people everywhere. Second, how how these principles are not only apply around 150 countries plus, but different levels of leadership from CEOs of companies, of major Fortune 500 companies, down to school children. Because we actually have the seven habits being offered within the Leader in Me program, a part of a process to bring leadership principles to schools and to children within schools, that the leader is inside of them. And so from being a CEO of a major company to being a young student in kindergarten to apply the principle of begin with the end in mind, you know, habit two, the whole idea of vision and that you, you know, create your future, you, you envision it, you write it, you, you, you become clear of who you are, what you're about, that that is just so amazing that, that it applies at every level. And then we've gotten really practical at taking the habits and coming up with exercises and activities to apply them, you know, help like, again, habit two, begin with the end in mind, helping people develop personal mission statements or value statements, helping them understand the importance of vision and meaning and purpose in their lives, et cetera. And so becoming practical and tangible with this has probably been one of the greatest insights. Yeah. All right. So this is the hardest question I'm going to ask. I suspect anyway, maybe not. Uh, Which one's your favorite habit? It's a great question. I would say, honestly, um, I love them all. And, and, uh, um, that I'll, I'll give you mine in one moment. I got to say this. My, my father would be asked this a lot. Well, and, and, uh, and he would, at different times, honestly, I heard him say all, all seven, seven and it kind of was dependent upon where he was at that moment in time. You know, I definitely, definitely have heard him say habit one, be proactive because that's the foundational habit. I've heard him say habit two is my favorite and the most important because, you know, you've got to have vision. Everything is, around that habit seven sharpen the sob staying you know current and relevant and and constantly be improving yourself is so vital so i've heard him say say them all um but for me i love them all but i would say this my maybe my favorite is habit five seek first to understand then to be understood and the reason that is maybe my favorite is because it's one i have to work at and tendency is to want to be understood first. And, and, um, but, but I find if I kind of discipline myself and say, Hey, let me understand first and really seek to understand, you know, and, and by the way, understanding is not necessarily meaning agreeing. I may or may not agree. I'm just trying to understand a person when I do that, then, and when they feel understood, finally, suddenly they're far more interested in my viewpoint and what I have to say my influence has just gone up. So that it's kind of ironic that if I want to have more influence with someone, don't lead out and give them my ideas. Start by understanding what, what matters to them, have them feel understood. Then they'll say, thanks for listening to me. What do you think? And then I can <laughs> far greater influence with people. So it's both, that's the self-serving part is that I have more influence. The, the serving part where I'm trying to serve other people is that it's a gift 
and to, to for someone to feel understood, that someone has taken the time to understand them. And and right now in our crazy world, we need to have empathy and understanding for each other um, with all that's going on. And and, uh, and to give that gift to another person is, is extraordinary. Do you know there are over 62 million decision makers on LinkedIn? Yeah, and even small and medium-sized businesses are making the most out of LinkedIn ads. They're using LinkedIn to get their voices heard and their messages to resonate with the audience. And it's not just about awareness either. LinkedIn ads are driving traffic and engagement. If you want to check it out, try for yourself. LinkedIn is offering a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit to launch your first campaign. Simply visit linkedin.com slash duct tape, D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E. That's linkedin.com slash duct tape. So there's some terms and conditions that may apply, but I urge you to go check it out for yourself. Yeah, and I, I think you could even throw the the, the current uh, sort of political social climate, you know, of such divide. I think a lot of that has to come has come to the the idea that 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 we're not, you know, you know, we're not seeking to understand. <laughs> First, I think that that's at the root of that. Huge part of it is kind of like, yeah, we know you what you think. Here's what we think, and and people don't really feel understood, and and we don't have you know the the habits in front of it and behind it. Have it for think win win that mindset of win win mutual benefit. And habit six, the synergy. But see, all of that happens. The synergy happens. The creativity, the collaboration, when we first understand each other, and and uh, we understand each other when we're seeking, you know, mutual benefit, win-win. So you know, it's all connected. And that was part of the strength of the seven habits is how, you know, habits four, five, and six think, win-win, seek first to understand, then to be understood, and then synergize. They're connected, kind of as three habits in one. You know, a whole idea of working well with other people. So I uh, distinctly remember a moment in the book that uh, you know I read probably 30 years ago, and it still uh, sticks with me today. And uh, it, it was this idea that no one sees the world as it is, <laughs> that we you know see, and I may be misquoting a little bit, but we merely see the world as we see it, um, and that that quite often we misinterpret a situation. I think there's a story about a woman on a bus, you know, that uh, um, you know that that is that probably happens every day to every single person. You know, even if we don't say anything, we're judging that person or saying, you know, we don't understand what that situation really is, and uh, as as you know, simple as that idea is, and as obviously as truthful as that idea is, I remember being very struck by, you know, how important that idea was. Absolutely. Because, you know, the, the, the principle is exactly that, that we don't see the world as it is, but rather as we are. In other words, our head creates the world. And, and you can see that, you know, to your point earlier in our political environment, you, know, you could have the same actions and behaviors of a certain person or leader. And depending upon where people are coming from, they interpret it differently. They see it through that lens. And so, so I think the, the key insight here is if we can become aware that we all are looking at the world through a lens, if we can become aware of that, then we can be pro, you know, we can choose to step back and stand back and maybe take that lens off and look through another lens. And maybe sometimes we have, the example of a paradigm shift where suddenly you see the world differently. Like my father did on the, it was on a subway where, you know, he saw these, you know, kids that were rowdy and he was kind of like, why don't you be you know, discipline your kids? And then he learned that the woman had, that the man had just lost his life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, right. and, and what a paradigm shift instantly saw the world differently. <laughs> right. And the whole point is that, 
that the lens, the paradigm through which we view the world impacts how we feel about it and how we behave towards it. So what if we could work on our paradigms and focus on having a more complete or more accurate paradigm of how we see people? So, you know, a practical example of that is, you know, how we see a fellow worker. You know, do we see him as just, you know, incompetent, untrustworthy? If that's the case, we probably project that out and they probably act accordingly. Maybe we get what we're seeing, even with our own kids sometimes. I, I saw, uh, you know, we worked with a, a father and a son and, and, the, and the dad said, you know, my son I just can't trust him. He's, you know, this and that. And, and he said, look, why did you behave like that? And the son said, well, because dad, that's the way untrustworthy kids behave. You know, he'd labeled them so much. He started to say, hey, I'm an untrustworthy kid. This is how I behave. But change your paradigm that, you know what? My son or my daughter, my, my, my coworker is capable of great things. And maybe they're not fully there yet, but they have it inside of them. I see them differently. They're capable of trust. They're capable of, of, of value. And, and they're, they have inherent worth. And suddenly I see them differently and I treat them differently and they respond differently. And I can help create the very thing I'm seeking. So, yeah, it's such a powerful principle of how we see the world and how we see other people. So like is quite often the case, I think with a, I would call this a methodology, uh, is quite often the case with a methodology. The thing that we put at the end is really the beginning uh, as well. And, uh, and I think that um, it so often when something's left to the end, it's the thing that gets the least amount of attention. Um, and I, I really see a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, particularly that, that leave that sharpen the saw or self-care or whatever we want to call it to the end. Uh, when I think that um, neglecting that aspect of it actually makes it harder to do the others. Um, and, and I wonder if, if, you know, especially again, you know, a lot of people are under stress right now. We're recording this in March of 2020. Um, there's a lot of unknown uncertainty fear right now and certainly in the business and, and just life in general. And I, I, it seems to me like the habit number seven, maybe is jumped to the top. You know what? Um, as I prepared for this uh, this interview, I I said the same thing in my mind. As I I said, maybe the thing that would be most helpful in our crazy world, all that's happening, the change, the disruption, the crisis that's hitting us, is how habit seven, sharpen the saw. You know, the whole metaphor that never be too busy sawing to take time to sharpen the saw because you sharpen that saw suddenly. You're more effective. You're more efficient. You're you're better at it, and that's taking care of yourself. It is the renewal, body, heart, mind, spirit, the whole person. And so, with all this change hitting us, you know, we have to take good care of ourselves. Clearly, physically, because of the risk around us, but also emotionally, and you know, especially with with uh, maybe new social rules being put in place right now, and and things might change over time. Um, we still need to connect with people. We still have a we have a heart. We have a desire to 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 connect and to belong and to uh, be with people and to care about people, and then to to really develop and, and enhance our mind. Things like you know, uh, duct tape marketing podcasts and other things. They're all about improving, getting better, and 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 um, and right now we you know with in our society with with the disruption, there's opportunities like never before, perhaps to learn, to develop, to grow, learn new skills, new knowledge, new insight with all that's available in front of us. And then finally, the spiritual, you know, is the whole, it's not religious. It's the whole idea of just the spirit, the a, a desire for meaning, for purpose, for contribution. 
and 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 be aware of each other and to, and to try to contribute and add value and, and and be mindful and aware of other people and 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 just and seek to contribute to our society to our challenges so i agree with you that this is it's always mattered but because it's not often urgent it's important, right. not urgent, <laughs> yet we sometimes neglect yeah. it or ignore it until it becomes urgent. Well, what's happening right now is it's becoming more and more urgent. It's always been important, but maybe now we can learn it for the first time and develop habits and patterns that will serve us well, both now in times of transition and crisis, but also going forward in the changing society just that could we can develop great patterns that will be very valuable about how we always renew ourselves to stay current, relevant, and and you know good self care, good renewal, and really all about uh, being able to have a sharp saw to make a difference in the world. So I couldn't agree more. All right, Stephen, what are people going to find in the latest edition? What 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 new tools, new insights, new content will they find in the new edition? Well, it's, it's really exciting because, first of all, the seven habits in its entirety, as presented by my father, is there. So nothing has changed with how he presented it. Like I said before, it's classic. It's timeless. And in addition to having all of that, at, at the end of each chapter, we have some additional fresh insights to that, you know, to that particular habit, for example. Habit one, be proactive. My father's work is there in its entirety. And then at the end... There's some fresh insights that my brother, Sean, Sean Covey, who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens and also The Seven Habits of Happy Kids. So he's adapted seven habits to different audiences. He has a real insight and he's not taking a teen or a kid insight to it so much as just a, you know, a family insight. The, the insights that we have that are relevant and fresh today. So you get everything that my father said with some fresh, relevant, additive insights. And you can ignore it if you wanted and just read what my father wrote. But I think people, list, uh, readers will really find and listeners will find great value to these new, fresh, added insights that, that uh, are, are for our times that my brother has added. Yeah, and it certainly gives people a great reason to pick it up again. So, Stephen, it was so great having you uh, back on the show and uh, best to you and best of luck with the, the continued work. And hopefully we'll run into you soon out there on the road. Thank you so much, John. It's great to be with you again, and I wish you every continued success. 